Okay, so I'm starting this podcast. Uh, wanting to talk about my favorite game of all time, Magic the Gathering. Uh, different aspects of it, collecting, playing, uh, history of the game, uh, artwork that's on the cards, uh, the, the collecting aspect of the actual artwork. Um, and we may go into some other things and I just want to bring on some guests that share our history with the game as well and, uh, go from there. Maybe we all learn something. hope you find it entertaining. Jerry. Can you hear me? Hey, what's up, Les? How's it going? Hey, man. Uh, good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, everything's good. How about me? All right. Yeah, everything's good. Um, okay, this is probably only going to be like 30-ish minutes. Uh, it's my first time doing this, and I'm just going to edit out what I need to. And uh, so, first official guest of my podcast Jerry Simon here. Hey. Um, and I just want to get into a little bit, like, tell us about who you are, uh, how you got to, into the game of Magic, and, like, what's the game mean to you? And just go from there. We'll just have a conversation. Yeah, cool. Um, so I started playing Magic probably in 1995, like, that summer. Um oh. One of my friends from, I think it was junior, had to have been junior high school, um, introduced me to the game and uh, brought over a couple of uh, starter decks. And uh, I cracked a, uh, a Sengar Vampire, and I thought it was the coolest uh, artwork and the coolest uh, you know abilities to be able to you know imagine this flying creature that could. Uh, you know, suck life and, and get stronger. So I thought it was super cool and that hooked me right away. And um, yeah, from there I started playing and, uh, you know, it was pretty casual was kitchen table magic. I never really got into the competitive stuff. Um, I stopped playing magic for a while, probably like sometime like middle of high school. And uh, it stayed that way for quite a while. Um, I picked it up again, probably 2000. 10-ish, uh, right around Innistrad. I think 2010 or 2011. I don't remember when Innistrad was. Uh, maybe a little bit before Innistrad. Um, no, it was Innistrad. And so, uh, yeah, from there, it's been part of my adult life. Um, what really drew me into the game was not really the the, the, the game, but more the artwork. Um, you know, I always, uh, you know, I just found that the artwork was, was something that was really immersive and I enjoyed I enjoyed um, just collecting the cards for the art, to be honest. Yeah, um, that's that's uh, definitely like what drew me to the game as well. Originally, like I knew nothing about what cards were good or what was valuable. I was just like I remember like Root Breaker, Worm, and Tempest, and like all these big creatures. I was like, oh man, these are all badass. Mm-hmm. And and I definitely remember seeing your vampire and just having that nostalgia about like a uh, mythical creatures and fantasy world that you kind of bring your mind to and enjoy on a different level than just like watching something or playing a game. It's like actual, like the being able to trade the cards and play the game and like talk to people was like a whole new world to me. 
yeah, it, it, so it was cool. Like, you know, all the flavor text and the uh, the books that went along with the game. Um, you know, the whole the whole world uh, that that Wizards created drew me in. And I, I remember I, I didn't play the game through high school, but I read the books. And, um, you know, each one was just a real joy to uh, to teenage Jerry, you know? I'll say I never got into the books, really. Mm-hmm. I guess I was just always more enamored with the, the actual game and card side of it. But I've yeah. heard things about the older books. The new ones, not so much. But I never, I never got into the lore of the game. Something I probably need to uh, get into one day, just to kind of learn about some of the history. It's funny when when people like say the lore of the game. You know, obviously the the books, you know, have a have a storyline and you know it ties into the cards and all that. But the books stand on their own. Like you know, I hadn't played the game for years by the time I I was still reading the books and. You know, entertaining, uh, you know, fantasy stories. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I haven't read any of the new ones, but I have the whole collection. I, at Gen Con a couple of years ago, there was an auction for like every single magic book, and it turned out to be like 60 bucks. It was like a no brainer. I bought them all. Oh, that sounds like a really good deal. Yeah, yeah, but um, so, so, uh, what made you? I know we're both, we both collect art, and I know you've been into it way longer than I have. And a lot of people that may listen to this may not know anything about actual magic art. So how about we go back into what got you started with magic art? And you were one of the first ones to make a big group on Facebook or maybe before that about like an actual art market, dealing with the pieces, helping the artists out and kind of like just helping people get into the hobby. Yeah, so like I said, young Jerry was drawn in by the the artwork on the cards, and you know, I I didn't even know I didn't put two and two together when I was younger that you know somebody you know paints these things. I you know I it just didn't cross my mind. I didn't have that secondary level of thinking yet. As a kid, I was just like, oh, you know, this is artwork and it's cool, and I didn't think about you know how it was made and all that. And turns out there's a really interesting behind the scenes, obviously that you know is 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 the production side of of magic art um so interestingly enough that's kind of how i got back into magic was through the artwork um so i i have been collecting artwork for a really long time and it started with comics and going to comic cons and when you know i was much uh, at a different stage of my life i was probably just collecting like convention sketches from different comic artists that i liked and, um, you know, they were all like simple $20 sketches to Jerry. And, you know, it would be like, you know, uh, it, uh, like a drawing of Kingpin or something or something that I liked or whatever. And so, you know, from Comic-Cons, um, occasionally original art dealers would be there. And, you know, chatting with them over the course of going each year, um, you know, I, my, my taste sort of went from comic art, which is typically black and white India ink. Um, and it would sort of move to, uh, to the 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 um, stuff that's in color and it started with um really just just fantasy stuff in general um and there's so much stuff out there and there's so many different kinds of mediums you can get like the cells from you know fantasia or whatever or, you know winnie the pooh and then um anyway so one of the comic cons i think in like 20 yeah it must have been 2010 had a, a couple of pieces um that i just thought were cool artwork i didn't even know they were connected to magic and um, from there, I started just saying to myself, well, you know what? They have these. I wonder if they have any of the ones from when I was a kid. And uh, 
you know, that's that's really how I started uh, getting into the magic art side of things. And from there, it went into, you know, sort of a bit of a frenzy where I was contacting all the different magic artists and saying, I don't even care what the card was. I just think the artwork's sweet. And this was, you know, I'm coming into things from spending, you know, a couple of thousand bucks on on pieces to at the time when I was buying magic art, it was it was so much more affordable. And I said, I like this stuff better. You know, this is crazy. And so, um, yeah, that's that's really how I started focusing on my magic collection, art collection. Yeah, you were like one of the pioneers of like, I'm sure there's other people, but like you're more the one more well-known collectors out there. And uh, a lot of people, including myself, I have to thank you for helping me get into the hobby even deeper. And like you said, uh, the prices have just gone up dramatically over the years. I mean, my first piece I bought was Beast of Burden from Ursa's Legacy, mm-hmm. and I bought it for like $3,400. Mm-hmm. And it's a very large um, Ron Spears piece. And I like, two years later, I sold it for like 6000 was probably too cheap. Now it's probably worth 10000 And it's just like the things are just, it's just exploding yeah. as like all the collectible stuff in general is. But I mean, we, you and I, and as long as along others are, into the art community a lot and we kind of pay attention to it and see the trends. What is, uh, is that something that's concerning to you? Like be- people getting priced out or is it just kind of like the nature of the beast of the collecting world? Um, yeah, it's a really loaded question. It's kind of heavy. Uh, I'll do my best to try to answer it in a couple of minutes. Sure. Um, you know, first beast of burden is a great piece. That's the one with, um, with Karn, right. That he's carrying. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a cool piece, and you know it's a nice up close and personal, um, you know, picture with uh with this you know this uh this you know strong uh you know uh creature that that um you know I I, I didn't play during the time of uh, the Urza block, but I can imagine you know just um you know just how cool it would be to have a piece from from that time, you know, especially something depicting Karn, which you know is is still super popular today. Um, look. I, you know, as far as, you know, being a pioneer or anything like that, I don't know, man, I was just a guy that collected artwork and, you know, there were definitely some outlets to find it before, but it w- certainly wasn't as mainstream. I, I wouldn't say that, that I, you know, paved the way or anything at all. You know, look, there was um, the Manadrain online, which was a, a, a forum that people, you know, spent a lot of time and they were super passionate. And what's interesting is that, you know, in life, you know, people phase in and out of hobbies and people phase in and out of our lives. Right. So um, there's a bunch of people from the managing that are just not active anymore in the, in the magic art collecting community Were they priced out. Maybe um, did their interests move on? Maybe um, is it both? Maybe is it neither of those? Maybe, I don't know. Um, look, certainly magic art, uh, you know, has gotten really expensive, but I, you know, look, I, I mean, it's up to you. This is your podcast. If you, if you want me to talk about the financial side of things, I can, but for me, like I, I just, I, at the, at, at my core, I just like collecting cool artwork. And, you know, I think that that magic arts in a really interesting place now in terms of like the direction it's going to go. And um, I've personally found myself being less interested in magic art lately and more interested in, in artwork from just generally other fantasy um, concepts and other fantasy um, um, uh, IP. Um, so, 
you know, not to say I don't love magic. I do. It has, a, you know, it's it's been a significant part of my life for, you know, what, 20 years now. So for sure, it's something that I'm always going to gonna love and cherish. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know the future of, 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 of you know, where, where it's going. And look, it, it, it could just be that it, it um, you know, it kind of just, it, it continues to, to grow and, and the market becomes, you know, big enough to price out a lot of people. Certainly. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, one of those, the, one of the interesting things that I've noticed. And of course you have another, as many others is some of the older sets didn't have a lot of like traditional art, what you would call something that we could actually go purchase and have tangible. We could hang on the wall. A lot of it was digital mm-hmm. and moving in that direction. And then like slowly last couple of years, as the market is expanded, these artists have kind of moved back to more traditional methods. And that's like so many more pieces are entering the market and bringing in more collectors. And then now just the, the quality compared to some of the older pieces. I mean, I mean, we can't, we got to be honest everybody here. If you look back at some of the old pieces, you just see kind of like, oh, what the heck's going on here? Compared to the new common, you're like, we're just blown away by the size, the the attention to detail, uh, just the color palette, all the style, the styles. Mm-hmm. I know art is subjective, but it's like, you can tell a big difference between art in 2021 and art from 1996, 97, etc. And yeah. I, yeah. So go ahead and uh, what do you what do you think about all the extra, uh, extra or additional traditional pieces like kind of entering this space? Yeah, like I said, it's um you know it's been a it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, you know when when I first entered the scene on the the, the magic art you know scene, they they were they were a modest um but but respectable um amount of pieces available. Um, from pretty much any artist, you know, a couple of the alpha artists were obviously what well, you know sold out for a long time, but you know, e- even the majority of alpha artists still had artwork around. Um, you know, it wasn't so uncommon to see an alpha piece for sale. Um, now, you know, there are people that are willing to make blind offers of thirty-five thousand dollars on any alpha piece. Um, you know, back when I first started collecting, alpha pieces were going for three or four thousand dollars. Um, you know, at the, and at the time people said, man, that's crazy. Um, you know, so look, you know, when you see, when you see growth of, of 10 times the amount, you know, it's, it's an indication that, you know, you're certainly reaching a wider audience and there's more people interested, which means that you're going to see higher prices. And with that, you know, artists take note, right? Like, you know, it's, it's a business for them. And if they were digital at one point and they see that the traditionals are selling, for four figures or five figures, um, you know, certainly, you know, they, they make a, a business decision or, you know, for them personally, they, they, they might say, Hey, you know, I, I, I like painting traditionally and now I can afford to spend the time doing it because I know I'll be able to, you know, recoup my, my investment in the, in the piece by selling the original. Um, and look, it's a win-win, you know, the, uh, the collector wins, the artist wins. Um, frankly, the, magic the game you know wins because it gets better artwork um you know for uh for the sets and you know it's just it, it you know the, the best type of environment is where everybody is happy right so um it's all positive um you know that putting all what i just said aside like certainly i see some you know issues with sort of the 
the the trend and the process but like that's that's just my own personal you know sort of fears about what i think a healthy market looks like but again i don't really want to turn this into like a financial thing if you want me to i'm happy to talk about whatever but like i said i just i think that it, it we're in we're in a pretty good place and we're seeing a lot of cool artwork come out and a lot of diversified art too you know you see a lot of different styles and it's a uh, it's a real change from um the the sort of homogenous uh um sort of style that that uh that magic was known for a few years ago no i think i mean you're going to be a guest again for sure and we'll, we could probably dive into more of the financial aspect that then we'll keep it more just the art in the game itself right now um yeah the uh, art directors giving the artists kind of like more liberties about like, hey, just this is what we want the card to look like, or this is the subject matter. You you do what you do, and gives them more like you know power over what they're creating. Whereas like you 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 uh, stated before, like some of the older sets are kind of like you say they're all kind of like, oh they look the same and the artwork kind of blends in. And now I just I mean I'm even I was an art student in college before years ago and i've always been a fan of artwork myself and just noticing the growth over the years of the how incredible things have become it's just it's very nice to see and like you said it's just positive for everybody and it's yeah. it's great it's fun to be a part of even though i haven't been able to afford anything in, a, in a quite a while <laughs> yeah i mean even just being able to see the artwork um you know it look being able to to view um quality you know, artwork that artists put their time into is, is a privilege. Like I, I've, I've made this comment um, to you before privately, but you know, for me, I, I look at each set as my own personally art, personal art gallery, you know, viewing it's, it's, you know, just because it's from a card game doesn't mean it, it doesn't belong in an art gallery. It's, it's awesome. Right. Like we, you know, one, one, you know, obviously everybody, or at least I would think most people who are going to hear this are, are going to think that are going to know that older artwork for magic is, you know, usually smaller than eight by 10 um very rarely was it you know bigger than 10 by 12 you know 12 by 16 or anything like that and now you know there's only one or two artists that are eight by ten um well no there's a little few more than that but i would say that most art that comes out now is larger than what magic art was years ago like the typical size for magic art back then was what six by eight you know if you were lucky five by seven right um, you know i'm thinking like alpha all the way through to you know even ice age the dark you know it was it was all five by seven you know if you know some of them were like four by six so you know because a lot of the artists back then you know it was it was time for them and you know there's no reason to paint that big when it scales down you know to you know when you have to just read it card size you know you do it you have to do to make it work now i think you know the artists are painting not just for the card game but also for the collectors and also you know, because they, they recognize that, you know, pretty art, even though it scales down to card size and you might not see all the details, doesn't mean it's still not worth painting that if, if uh, you know, if the community responds positively. What about, what about talking about the quality and how it, how it used to only be, they thought of it as just a card game, so the images are small. What do you think goes into the thought process of now Magic being a, a digital game as well with arena does that go into it at all you think i have no idea 
Yeah, I, I don't think I'm qualified to answer that. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, you know, look, I, I will say that, like I said, you know, I use the term whirlwind. Um, I, I sometimes feel, you know, in the last year or so that there have been um, a lot of supplemental sets and, you know, things that are printed or, or released or special editions, and I can't keep up anymore. And it seems like every other week there's just another spoiler with a secret lair or right. some sort of box toppers. And look, I mean, and certainly Magic Online, you know, because sometimes they'll do special, you know, artwork for, for just the Magic Online. Sometimes they'll do promotional pieces for prizes and things. And look, from from the most important point of view, I think, is, hey, cool, artwork. More artwork is better. You know, the more the better. I got no problem with it. You know, some part of me you know the collector side fears that there's a lot of artwork coming out too quickly and i don't know if the market can keep up with that much supply but i i don't know for like i said for me the, the coolest part about this is i get to see awesome artwork and so i, I i'm happy well, that, that's a. I think that's not only a fear for the art, but also a fear for the game itself. I see a lot of rhetoric about, man, it's another set. Like, we just had spoilers for, I mean, right now we're in Strixhaven is coming out, and we're getting bombarded with spoilers. And we just had a few new pieces from Time Spiral Remastered, and we just went through um, all of, uh, what's it? We, I mean, going back to even last year, we just rolled through Ikoria, then Zendikar, rising and it just seems like every other month we're getting geared up to have another rollout of yeah spoiler what's it's exciting but i feel i fear i mean i share some of the same fears you do of maybe questions about too much oversaturation mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. of especially the artwork because can our can our the people who collect keep up with it and I don't want to see the artists get less money for all the effort they're putting into this stuff either. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, for me personally, when I look at, at collecting, I, I like the fact that the art has had time to be appreciated. And, you know, with, with, with all the sets and all the artwork coming out, it is a bit of information overload because not only do you have Strixhaven, you have Strixhaven mythical uh, or mystical archives. I don't know. I think it's mythical the archives. Myth mystic archive, I think. Yep. Yeah, whatever it is. But like, you know, it's another supplemental, you know, product with different artwork. And, you know, then there's probably going to be box toppers and, you know, there'll probably be promos and all that. And like, like you know, for me, when I was when I was in my prime of, of like collecting magic art and playing the game again, like back in like Innistrad and, you know, RTR and all that, like there were maybe one or two promos, you know, like, like, like there weren't that many, like, you know, each guild might've had one or two. And now you're just seeing like, like 30 or 40 of them. And then, you know, every other month you're seeing, you know, like I said, a, a secret layer and all this. And I, I, I don't know, like I said, the, the, the most important thing I think is, for me personally, cool. I get to see more art. Um, does it mean that that you know there's there's going to be a glut of it and that it's not selling? And you know, is it going to cause some sort of an issue with with you know Magic the game? I don't think so. I don't think that the Magic art um, collectors market has anything 
you know, any kind of influence over the game, but certainly, you know, look, right now there's a dozen pieces for sale and they all have bids and, you know, the majority, the lion's share of, of, of magic art sells, right? Like there's, there's not too many yeah. artists with, with, a, you know, a portfolio of stuff that sits unsold. So there are collectors, um, you know, how many of those collectors are speculators? I don't know, but, you know, certainly, you know, from my, from my point of view, the inside, like my, my point of view, seeing and the movers and the shakers of the magic art market, I would say that, I, I mean, this is just going to be coming right out of, out of, you know, the air, but something like probably 70% of the money that's in magic art is recycled from the same, you know, hundred people. And for a game that's played by 40 million, um, for that few of, 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 uh, amount of people to, to be collecting the artwork or the majority of it is, is interesting. Not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just interesting. Definitely interesting. And something that I think we can revisit later as just, we keep our eyes on things. And as the market keeps expanding, it's, uh, it's exciting times all around, I think. And we will see what the future brings. I guess yeah. as we close out having you on the first episode, Jerry, how about you tell us, like, I guess, what are you looking forward to most in regards of the game and, like, how, like, I know it's not a huge part of your life, but just, like, like, COVID has affected us all, right? We haven't been able to travel. We haven't been able to go to cons. I know we're all fiending for that. I mean, yeah. last time I saw you was uh, Grand Prix Las Vegas, like almost two years ago. Yeah. So, wow. so what are you looking forward to most as things start to open up again? People get their vaccinations, and we're able to kind of get this thing back to "quote unquote" normal. I mean, you 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 nailed it. Um, look, Magic, the game is only a small part of Magic the community, right? So Correct. the 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 events um, are are something that I really enjoy, not because of magic itself, because usually I'll just play a side event or two. But you know, you're seeing people that you've known for 10, 15 years, and it you know, like any con, right? It's 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 not always about you know what the the product is. It's more about the the relationships formed and the memories and you know the bonds that you have with people. Um, you know, specifically, I, I, you know, I love hanging out with, uh, with, with everybody that, that, um, that, you know, at the, at the, uh, at the events, going to the dinners and, you know, the lunches and the trades and, you know, look, playing the side events, winning a magic sheet or something, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's just a fun hobby, you know, um, seeing the artists there, chatting with them, you know, um, seeing the artwork in person, picking up a piece here and there at a con. Um, it's just, you know, anytime, anytime there's a magic event, you know, some, some fun stuff always happens. You know, you're hanging out at the hotel after and you do a draft at, you know, one o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, it's just, they're just great events. So I, I, I am related to magic. I'm most looking forward to events again, um, traveling, um, you know, the, 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 the meals that, that everybody shares. Um, and then, uh, you know, it it's not necessarily about the game for me. Like I said, it's more about the community. I will echo those sentiments. And I, some of the best people I've ever met in my life, including you, I wouldn't be friends with you if it wasn't for magic. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that's brought me to these people. They've been in my life. I've traveled the world because of this game. Part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast was just 
long form conversations, interviews with my friends or other people I may not know yet that need to share their stories for the world. And I think it's important. And I think magic has always played a big role in that in a lot of people's lives. And I'm, I'm for one and very thankful to be a part of it. I, I still don't forgive you for reframing. <laughs> we will get into framing and our taste and all that at a later date, sir. Uh, but for now, I think I'm going to let you go. And uh, I can't wait to publish this podcast so people can listen to it. And uh, look forward to having you on next time. So um, I, I, I do think before we go, I, I, I should – I, I should ask you one question. Go for it. I'm all ears. So, you know, since it is your podcast, and since some of the people that are going to listen to it don't necessarily know who you are, um, why don't I flip the first question that you asked me onto you and say, you know, tell me about your magic back history and and you know what brought you into the game and what's what's kept you here. Oh, fantastic. Um, well, I was I started playing magic or going to a local store back when I was 14 years old and I lived in Texas and um, I was probably uh, I never really fit into a certain stereotype as a kid. So I wasn't like I played football, but I wasn't a jock and I played video games, but I wasn't like the quote unquote huge nerd. So I kind of like did everything mm-hmm. and magic was just another one of those outlets for my like may, uh, me wanting to be my creative side and like my nerd side getting out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I started, I'm always, I'm a competitive person. Like I just love competing in anything I do. something I got to kind of dial down a bit. Um, As I got older, it's become easier to do that, but that's what magic really like. I've traveled for tournaments. I was reading tournament reports and trying to like keep up with the latest technology when it came to like deck design and because I was never a good deck builder myself, I always leaned on other people for that. And um, I just love that like aspect of the game is um, just traveling to a new city that I've never been to and going to an event and playing and uh, hopefully doing well. Um, although I didn't do as well as I wanted to a lot of the times. Um, what, um, what was the first event that you went to another city for, if you remember? Um, I went to Grand Prix, Dallas, Fort Worth, and that was in, I still lived in Texas at the time. That must have been in, let's see, it's right after Ravnica block came out, so 2006. OG Ravnica? Yeah, Um, because Reman, Reman was, I didn't play during Ravnica, but Reman was a card, and I remember having to buy four remands from a dealer for $8 a piece and being like completely like, what the hell is this? I'm paying $8 a piece for this uncommon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first like big event traveling. Before that, I just mm-hmm. only went to like uh, Pro Tour qualifiers when they used to have them at like in Dallas and Houston, uh, like um, Little Rock, Arkansas, anything within driving distance I always went to. And they used to have like three or four per set, it seemed like. Um, as I got older, I, um, I kind of took some breaks here and there, but I never truly left the game. I never sold my collection, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, as I, I started getting into the finance side and vending, 
I befriended some people that were vendors and I liked that aspect of it as well because it kept me in contact with my friends and the game mm-hmm. and I can make some money. So, so I sorry, God. No, no, you're fine. What you got? I was just going to say, so uh, I, I want to hear you brag a little bit. So what's the best that you ever did in an event? Oh. And uh, what was the coolest, uh, coolest experience you had uh, in terms of winning and stuff like that? The highest ever placed at a large event was fourth at the Star City, um, Star City Tournament in Denver. Mm-hmm. This was unfortunately back and forth. They increased the prize pool a lot. So I only got like $800. I mean, only got eight hundred. That's, that's a lot of money for playing cards. Yeah, that was like okay, that's pretty significant. Uh, I did got. You, did you take the money or did you take the store credit? No, I took the money. They just make little checks to us. Um, oh, oh, so was there an option for store credit? Uh, that I don't know if there was or not. Actually, I'm trying to think mm-hmm. back if they offered you more. If it was, they might have offered me like twenty percent more if it was Star City credit or something. Right, right. But I but... placed. Fourth at that event, as an official, I guess, official, quote-unquote, Wizards of the Coast event, I got a place in the 50s, I think, at a Grand Prix Salt Lake City. It was mm-hmm. the first event that I day two at. And that Last was the- question for you. Sure. <laughs> How many boxes do you think you've won from side events? How many boxes what? You cut out. How many boxes do you think you've won from side events? Oh, I, uh, to be honest, I probably I had never really was a huge side event person. I always went for the main events. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I've won my fair share of packs, but it's probably under ten and maybe even under seven total boxes. Like I would I would draft with some friends. Like we'd both enter an eight man draft and we'd like share. If we like one out and stuff, but yeah, never really a huge side event person for me. I always wanted like uh, put my skills to test at the main event. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's what you're there for, you know. Yeah, that's that's cool. what my compet- fed my competitive side. Totally. Yeah. Cool. But uh, I'm sure people will learn more about me as they listen, if they listen, and uh, we can take questions and whatever else through social media. Not all the people that are going to be listening to this already know me and know you, and I'm going to be interviewing. I'm going to make it the rounds. We got Brock. I got, I got Dusty. I mean, I got all the people. All the ringers got to come through, and the ringers. We have, to, <laughs> we have to, we have to hear their their stories to share because we all have different backgrounds and different things we enjoy about the game. So I think that's interesting. Sure. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it was great, great chatting. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. Thanks for being the first guest, and uh, we'll chat soon. Awesome. All right, see you, buddy. Okay, as you just heard, that was my very first interview on the um, Careful Study podcast. Uh, That was Jerry Simon, a good friend of mine. Got me into collecting art. Um, The reason I first visited New York City, a lot of different things. I talked to him every day almost. Um, look forward to having more guests in the future and I hope you guys enjoyed it and signing off. We'll, uh, talk to you soon.